1 through 13. Thank the Lord for saving me tonight. I thank Him for the privilege to be in the Lord's house, to know Him and to free pardon of sin, a gift that He gave me. I did not earn it, but I just simply received what He gave me. And I thank Him for that tonight. Matthew chapter 25. How's that? Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarrieth, they all slumbered and slept. But at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. We thank you so much, Lord, for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, together back in your house, Lord, in this midweek service. And Lord, we need you tonight. Need your power, need your presence. God, if you don't speak and you don't work and you don't move, Lord, it'll just be a, another service, another song, another time. Another time, Lord, to slumber, another time to sleep. Another time to say, well, not today. But Lord, help us, Lord, to be attentive to what your word has to say. And Lord, if there's one here tonight that's lost, I pray they'll be saved by your marvelous grace. Please, God, help us. All across this world and land and out where the man of God stands. Lord, just anoint with fresh oil. Give him power. Give him love. Give him wisdom. And we love you. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Time. Tonight we have a thought. Our, the title of the message is Midnight is Coming. Verse 6 says, And at midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Time is the indefinite, continued progress of existence and events that occur in an apparently irreversible succession from the past to the present to the future. We get one time. We spend every minute we spend, every second we spend, we spend that second or minute or an hour, that one time. We don't, there's no second you, don't, you only spend it one time. It's time. It's the past or the, the present and the future. I have a, a little hourglass here. The flow of the sand in this hour. How long, how many, how long do you think it's going to take for this sand to flow through this glass? It's an hourglass. How long do you think? Thou knowest not. That's what I thought. 
I told the preacher, I, I've been looking forever, and I told him, I, call, I found this thing, and I called him, I said, guess what I found? I found an hourglass. He's, I don't know if y'all noticed this or not, but every once in a while he has me do a sermon illustration, and I couldn't build a, I can't figure out how to bend that glass to get it just like that. So, But uh, I said, I found one, and, and, uh, and I want you to know we got it, so when you need it. And he said, well, how long does it last? I said, well, preacher, it's an hourglass. So it lasts an hour. So uh, I set it on my desk at home, and, and one day I was sitting there on the phone, and I was a fooling with it, and I just picked it up, and I turned it over. I thought, well, that'll take an hour, plenty of time, to sit here and watch the sand play. That hourglass lasted 15 minutes. And I thought, that's a deceiving. That's deception. It's called an hourglass. God says he gives us three score and ten, that's 70 years. But that don't mean that all of us, People die all the time, every day. Little babies die. We all die. God does not promise us a tomorrow. And I want you to notice that this sand can be used to measure of passage of time. In the top, here is the future. As the the sand flows through this little opening here, that's the present. We spend it day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Down here, this is time that's passed. We can spend it no more. We've only got this amount of time that God has allotted us. And we don't know how much time that is. But God has given us that time. It represents the present being between the past and the future. Time can be very deceiving. I remember the preacher was talking about me and Roger being best friends. I remember when I first came to live with my grandparents, seven years old, Roger was a little younger than me, and we'd get out in the yard, we'd fight like dogs, and We'd shoot at one another with BB guns and, and just do stupid stuff. Sneak off down to the river that we wasn't supposed to be and go fishing and sneak back up through the woods and give our fish to some people that lived down there in the woods. And they weren't going to tell on us because then there wouldn't be no more fish. And this morning, when I got that phone call, fifty years went through And it seemed like just no time at all. Fifty years. And just to think about the time that we have here. You know, we measure time. uh, Generally speaking, methods of, of measurement for time, it's called chronometry. And we use a calendar. We all got calendars hanging on the wall. Many of us will, a day pass, we'll put an X on that day. That day's gone. We're moving on. You know, we look. We got we got a special day marked over here. That's it's Christmas time. It's Fourth of July. It's vacation time, and we want those days to hurry up and get by. But they're going by fast enough. We look at our watch, and we see the hours and the second hands. And every time we look at a watch or a calendar, we see uh, that reminds us that that time is passing, and midnight's coming. Midnight's coming. Uh, 
the Bible says in Ephesians 5 and 16, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And we're, we're to walk very carefully and strictly uh, by redeeming the time. God says to walk very circumspectly. Uh, and we're to walk very carefully, redeeming that time. And uh, the idea here in that redeeming is we can't buy time. Time is a gift from God. God gives us that time. But it's up to us how we use that time. Uh, we can use it for ourselves, live a life of whatever we want to live to the flesh. Or we can live that life unto the Lord. But time is the gift of God. And a man has time. We can't say, well, we just don't have time. No, we've got time. God's given us the time. But we need to understand that that time, it's, it's, midnight's coming. The call is going to make, the, here in, the, in our scripture, uh, verse 6 says, While the bridegroom tarried, there was ten virgins. Five of them were wise, five were unwise. And see, God says a person to use his time wisely, uh, that we're not to waste that time. But he says the choice is yours to make. God's not a dictator. God don't force us to do anything. We can sit and twiddle away the hours and engage in the activity and conversation uh, that is of little, if any, value or worth. Or we can use our time very wisely. Uh, we can keep our hands and our thoughts busy in our professional work, contributing to the good of society or in worship and service to Christ all day long, join with others, uh, just serving the Lord, or we can spend that time uh, in sin and death, which will come. Benjamin Franklin said, Dost thou love life? Then do not squander time, for that's the stuff life is made of. I was reminded today, preacher and Matthew went over to see Kathy and and uh, they didn't, none of them remember, they didn't recognize Matthew. And I couldn't tell you the times that Matthew had mowed Roger's yard, but time, he's got older, he's grew, he's grew up into a young man. And I was so looking forward to Roger and Kathy in the last few weeks that they was coming back to the church, and, uh, and I was so excited. I wanted to see Roger's face when he seen little Aslan and Levi for the first time uh, because of uh, their relationship. But that wasn't to be. That time will never happen. David said in Psalms 89 and 47, Remember how short my time is, wherefore hast thou made all men in vain. God said for a man our time is short, and, and uh, to remember how short time is. And God wants us as believers to watch for the Lord's return and, and be wise and not foolish in our watching. In this in this. Uh, Parable, the bridegroom, of course, is Christ himself. The virgins are the believers and all professors of religion. The five wise virgins are genuine believers. The five foolish were the false believers, those who had a false profession. Their lamps, the lamps represented the lives, that's the testimony of the witness and the heart and the profession of the, the virgins, the professing believers. The oil talked about here is the provision of righteousness, the supply of the Holy Spirit, that is to fill the lamps and the lives of the professing believers. And this, in this picture, in this dramatic picture of, of just, is what's going to happen to all professing believers. There's going to time when Jesus is going to step out and he said, come up Heather. And it could be today, folks. It, it could be today. We could all stand before Jesus. There's not, God didn't promise us that we would get home even. Uh, he, did, he don't promise us a tomorrow. The, in this parable, the parable describes the kingdom of heaven. There's the wise and the foolish virgins. There's the long delay waiting for the bridegroom. They all slumber and sleep. There's a great summons when the bridegroom comes. There's the bridegroom's return and the gathering of the wise. But then there's the shut door to the foolish. 
And the point is that we must watch and expect the Lord's return at any moment. God gives a directive there uh, in verse number 1. That word then refers back to the Lord's return discussed in Matthew 24. Then. uh, You notice how it's bigger letters in your Bible. Take notice. Listen. Then. Then shall the bride, shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto the virgins, which took their lamps and went forth out to meet the bridegroom. And see, when, when the five are foolish and the five are wise, and there, there's going to be a separation one day after a while. And that day's coming soon when Christ returns. Something's going to be clearly seen. The, the foolish within the kingdom and those who have that false profession uh, within the church and religion, uh, they're, they're going to be separated from the wise. That's how he says, watch therefore. And folks, we're, we're so busy, caught up in, in life anymore. It seems like in the last few years that there's such a strain on people that people are so busy and they're so caught up trying to make a living. And we think, well, the economy changed. There's more than the economy that's changed. The world has changed. The culture's changed. Satan knows it's time for the Lord to come. And he's doing everything he can to get us looking here and looking there, get us distracted. We ain't got time for this. We ain't got time for that. We uh, are t- trying to talk to a young lady up there at the little... A diner and a boy works there. He said she works six days a week and she ain't got time to, to, to go to church on Sunday. She ain't gonna spend her time at church. And I thought, son, then that church don't mean nothing to you either. But it's gonna make a difference, uh, in our, in their lives one day after a while. We see the directives and point number one, point number two, we see the differences. There are the wise and the foolish or the leaders who attend the wedding. Christ says three things about them. These ten virgins were, they were all professing believers. They, they take their lamps and, or their lives or their testimony and they go forth to meet the bridegroom and see all, all believers take their lives. They, they took their lives. They took what they had. They took their lives. They went forth. See, the idea was here that these ten virgins, they were carrying the lamps and they were to light the path, uh, for the bridegroom. And that's why they, their lamps, they, uh, he said they took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Their lamps are burning. They're using up what they have. But the bridegroom tarries. And while they're tarrying, the, the five foolish, they don't bring no more oil. What they've got, they've only got what they've got and that's it. They don't have no more. They don't have no more oil. And see, the foolish virgins, um, they, t- they take no oil except what they, they just have in their lamps. There, there's no provision of righteousness uh, beyond themselves. And folks, that's what a lot of people's doing today. They just have what? They have their righteousness, their goodness, their works, their doings, their giving. I've done this and this and this. I've done this and this and this. And folks, that's okay for a while, but the ends, the midnights are coming and it's not going to be enough. You've got to have the Holy Spirit of God in your heart. The wise virgins, they take their oil and they don't depend just upon what's in their lamps. They ain't just dependent on their works. They ain't just dependent on what they've done. They've got extra. And that, uh, that's going to be enough. And that's why it says they can't give their oil away. They have to get their own oil. That's why it says go buy your own oil. And folks, we've got to get to the Lord ourselves. I know this is a very familiar scripture uh, this, this evening. Uh, but I want you to understand something, folks. That people, people in the day and hour we live, they're so lethargic. They're so slumbering. They're so sleeping. Not just lost people. It's, it's children of God. Well, we, well, we, it's almost like going to church has become a pain. And it's, it's, oh God, it's Sunday again? Or it's Wednesday again? It's time to go to church again? It's prayer time again? But notice that the main duty of the virgins here was to meet and light the path. And folks, you and I are to be lighting the path for the Lord to tell people Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. 
And note that here that, that there's no really, no visible difference. You can't tell the difference just by looking. They, they were all ten virgins. They all had lamps. They were all burning when they started. So, but notice here how foolish it is just to depend on the oil in one's lamp. No one has enough oil. You don't have enough oil of your own to get to heaven by yourself. You're not going to go to heaven because you're a good person. You're not going to go to heaven because you attend Solid Rock Baptist Church. You're not going to go to heaven because you teach a Sunday school class. You're not going to go to heaven because you think you're a spiritual person. God knows your heart. But when Christ comes, He must find righteousness in a person. Unless that blood of Jesus Christ has been applied to our hearts, folks, we're not going to go to heaven. We see the directive. We see, uh, uh, number three, we see the delay. Christ said an interesting thing. This is a long day before the bridegroom came. There's a long delay before the bridegroom came and all the virgins slept, slumbered and slept. They all were sleeping. Well, he's coming, but he didn't come right then. And we've heard Jesus is coming. I mean, I'm 59 years old, and I've been hearing Jesus coming for 59 years, but he didn't come today. I thought about this this morning when I got the phone call. Roger Lefford went to bed last night thinking he was going to wake up. It's just another day. For him, another day of suffering. For him, another day of trouble. For him, another day of pain. For him, more concerned about how he's going to take care of his wife. How's he, what's going to happen to his home. All these things, the same things that you and I work out, think about. And how we try to work out in our life. But Roger didn't know that he'd never get back out of that bed. He didn't know that for him, his midnight was February the 22nd, 2017. Roger got saved years ago. He was in this church, and he, he took a church, went pastor to church. He went to West Lenore for a while, and that didn't make a bit of difference this morning. He wasn't even awake. He went in his sleep. thought about Brother Ernie. I was reliving the day that me and the preacher got to call. Well, the preacher got to call, me and him walked over, or we went over to Quality Inn over here, and we walked in a room, and there laid the preacher's best friend dead my heart was breaking for him Ernie's midnight came I bet if Ernie knew his midnight was coming that night he would have spent at home and spent all that evening with his daughters and his grandbabies but Ernie didn't know that and folks we're planning for tomorrow but midnight's a coming midnight's a coming People in our family tonight's lost and unknown without God. I talked to some of mine today. I said, bless God, better be ready. It tells me, you better be ready. You better be ready to go. And I know they're not ready. I know they're not ready. And I was thinking about this. You don't, you don't got enough oil in your lap. You're not going to get there. But in the eyes of many, the Lord just lingered and lingered and well beyond what, what they thought. And, and these virgins, they slumbered and they slept. And, and not just the foolish slept, but the wise slept. And folks, there's a lot of wise people today, a lot of saved people. We're asleep on God. We're slumbering. We can't hardly hold our eyes open in the world. Our, our bodies are just, uh, because of the darkness and the pull of this world, our bodies are just too weak to always be laboring. We're, we're, our minds are too undeveloped to always be concentrating. We're too limited to always be driving. 
Our spirits are sometimes just too young to always be sacrificing. Our motives are too self-centered just to always be walking unselfishly. We think we do something for God, then we're entitled to this or to that. Okay, I've I done this, so I'm entitled to, to this. And we give ourselves permission to sin. That's called iniquity. When you give yourself permission to sin, and it's sin. It's black, dark, dirty, and nasty. God hates it. But that's what iniquity is. And see, the Bible says, Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh at evening or at night or at the cock crowing or in the morning, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what shall I say unto you all? Watch! Watch! You remember, uh, I think about this a lot, uh, uh, but a, a question I think it needs to be answered. You remember the fervent zeal? You remember that zeal you had when you first got saved? And you thought, man, I'm going to go, I'm going to win everybody. All my friends are going to get, this is the best thing I've ever got, man. I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's going to be easy. I'm just going to go tell my friends they're going to get saved. I'm going to have wonderful is how good Jesus is. And, and man, they're on fire for God. I've been, when I got saved, people said, man, why don't you become a preacher? Why don't you be a preacher? And I thought, be a preacher? What's that got to do with winning people to Jesus? Man, these people. And, and I thought, man, everybody's going to get saved. And a man I used to ride a motorcycle with got me by the arm one, about Three weeks, he said, took me up beside. He said, "If you think, you think, because you got saved, you don't want everybody here to Jesus, you're wrong." I said, "Well, I'm gonna tell all I can, because they need Jesus." But remember that time you had that zeal. We we have we've. Why does it die out? Why does it? You ever asked yourself why? Why am I not like I used to be? Why? Why does it die out? Why? Where's that fire at that I once had to tell people about Jesus? You know, it's easy to start something. You ever heard that from this pulpit? It's easy to start something, but it's hard sometimes to keep it going. And sometimes that is the way the Christian life, we get slumbered and we get sleeping. And we think, well, it didn't happen today. (coughs) It's not that we've lost our love for Christ, but we certainly have lost our first love. It's not what it used to be. It's got old. The news got, the honeymoon's over. We've not all stopped worshiping. We have not stopped all worship of God, but we've lost our first duty to worship. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm saved, but, you know, we've not all ceased to witness for Christ, but we sure have cooled our first passion. God almost has to beat us to death to get us to sell somebody about Jesus. And really all you've got to do is just, here, you get a minute. No, you're working today, but here, can you have this? We've not all turned from righteousness, but we sure have been diverted from our first attention. It's just not, it's just not what it used to be. The news gone. You remember you bought that new car, that new house, man? You, you just love to get in that new car and smell it. Get that new smell, you know? And boy, after about two, three payments, you thought, my God, wish I hadn't bought this thing. I could stay out of work today. But notice here that not that the, the virgins allowed themselves to slumber. They, then that slumber led to sleep. And we got to guard against that, that slumbering, against that cooling off time. You know, that little, that little slumber, that little cooling off, uh, uh, for just a little while might not seem very serious. But that, but that, that's the first step. And as small as it seems, it leads to those heavy eyelids. It leads to, I just can't hold my eyes open. Set up late at night to watch the news. Uh, 
I was talking to a lady here a while back. She said, we went to New York to watch the ball drop. She said, it was about 20 minutes to 12. We went to sleep, missed the whole thing. Went all the way to New York to see the ball drop and went to sleep. I thought, I'd done that in front of the television. Except I was asleep at 9.30. It was a long time before 20 minutes. But, folks, it's that first step, that least of those heavy eyelids. And we're all guilty of it. Well, that's why we've got to watch and be careful and be, be attentive to what's going on. We, we see, uh, we see the directive. We see the delay. We see, uh, uh, in ver- point number four is the declaration. The, there's, there's to be a, a great summons. They're slumbering. They're sleeping. They've been invited. Their lamps are ready. They, they're waiting, but, but, but the, the bridegroom tarried and he didn't come right when they thought he was going to come. So now here they are in their slumber. The, the, there's no time to go get no oil. And then, uh, here in verses six and seven, that, that's going to be a, uh, a, a great, it's totally unexpected. He said there, uh, and at midnight there was a cry made. It's midnight. Boy, when I, it's midnight around the house and I hear people screaming and hollering. I'm getting to wonder what's going on, ain't you? But there, there's a cry made. And he, and he said there, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Midnight's come. Now they're slumbering. Now they're sleeping. Now they're just waiting. He says, Go ye out to meet him. It, this shout here, it awakens, it shocks, it disturbs, and it's totally unexpected. What did Jesus tell us? He said, In the twinkling in an hour when you, there's a thief in the night, and folks, we're there today. In case you're just totally blind, and what's been going on in our nation and in this last time, in the last eighteen years, my soul, Israel is God's timepiece. And you look what's going on there, and what's going on around here, and what's going on, folks. If you know anything at all about the Bible, you can know, and you listen to any man of God, that Jesus is coming, and He's coming, and He's coming. And God says, take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and cares of this life, so that they may, that they come upon you unaware. For as a snare shall it come on all of them that dwell on the face of the whole earth. But God says, let your loins be girded about and your lights burning, and you yourselves liken to men that wait for the Lord when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, that may open unto him immediately. God says, be ready. So when he comes and he knocks, you're ready. You're ready to go. And folks, I'm ready to go. There ain't nothing in Baldi's I've got to go back and get. Karen may won't go back and get poncho. I'm not wasting my time. I'm going with you. She will enjoy the dog when she gets there with him because I ain't going home to get him. Don't tell Talisha because I think Talisha thinks Macy's going. Amen, Aaron. Uh, but when Christ first came to the earth, no announcement to the world was made. Only a few. He came as a babe in, there in Bethlehem. But when he returns to the world, when he comes back, every eye is going to see him. Every eye is going to see him. All men will know. A universal shout, the voice of the archangel will summon us to rise and prepare for the coming of the bridegroom. And see, Jesus is the only one that has the oil that lights the lamp of life. He's, he's the only hope we have, folks. He's the only hope we have. And it seems that the day and hour that we live, and we can stand and preach, and you can hear it preached, and you've heard it ten million times. Midnight is coming. The time is coming. Jesus is coming. And the wise uh, here it talks about uh, they were wise. That's a good word because they secured that additional oil. They got what they needed. 
And folks, if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus Christ, then you're slumbering and you're sleeping and you're, you're, you're one of these five foolish virgins that didn't, you don't have the oil in your lamp and you're not going to go. Jesus is not going to say, okay, everybody don't have oil. You got ten minutes to get yours. My, my father-in-law, my stepfather-in-law, his mama told him, before you die, you'll have 30 seconds to get saved. And he believed that. For years and years and years till he got cancer. And the doctor said, you're going to die. And then he got saved by his profession. There's just some things, folks, that can't be barred. And the righteousness is one of them. You can't borrow it. You can't use somebody else's. That's why they said, you go, you go get your own oil. You go get what you need. We can't give you ours. And the Lord's going to return and gather the wise. And see, notice there, he said, the bridegroom came. Three little simple words, but very powerful words. Last night, some time of the night, the Lord came and said, Roger, it's time for you to come. It's time, it's, you're done. And he didn't say, now Roger, come in here and let's sit down and talk about it. He didn't go in there and ask Miss Kathy, Miss Kathy, what do you think about it? Roger, it's time to go. There was no discussion. Roger left. And it's the same, and I know here in the church that many have, have buried loved ones. And, and God tells us, it's appointed unto man once to die, but after this to judgment. What, uh, and, and folks, it's coming. It's coming. I know tonight it seems like, well, uh, this is a message of doom and gloom. And it is if you're lost. It is if you don't have enough oil because you're not ready to go. If Jesus comes tonight, folks, and, and, you, and you're left behind, you have no idea what's, what's waiting. You have no idea. It's going to be a whole lot worse than what you could ever think. But he said, only they who were ready went into the bridegroom to the marriage. And this was their purpose. This was the reason they were ready. They were prepared for the, the bridegroom to come. They had their oil. They were ready to go. And when the summons came, they were, they were able to join in this procession in the bridegroom and to enter into the marriage feast. And folks, God's promised us that. And God's never broke a promise. And see, uh, he talks about in verses 10 and 12, the door is shut to the foolish. It's shut. It's over. It's done. The Bible says, as a tree falls, so shall it lie. And it seems like, folks, that, that in the day and hour that we live, that, that even us as Christians, that sometimes we don't even want to be around somebody that's on fire for God. Because, my God, that's what God wants me to do. My Lord, look at them. Look how people are talking about them. I don't want people talking about me. I don't want God talking about me and telling me how sorry I was. And, and you, I gave you something and you wouldn't share it. I died for you and gave you my life for you. And you wouldn't even tell people about it. And you knew that they were going to die and go to hell. You knew that they didn't have oil in them. You knew. And folks, God takes this thing very, very serious. Me and the preacher was talking this, uh, today and I said, my God, and yesterday too, I said, I, sometimes I wonder, you know, we fail to forget that God is a real person. He, has, he is very sensitive. Yes. He sent His Son to die. Amen. Jesus don't get washed up in 2,000 years. He's not done. He's on the cutting edge of what He's doing. Amen. 
He, he knows our thoughts. He knows our being. He knows everything about us. He knows we're sleeping. He knows we're slumbering. He knows who's doing something for him. He blesses. He works. He moves. He saves. He's working and moving. And we're so caught up and so blinded by the darkness of this world that we can't even see what's going on right before us. We think it's going to be forever. Trump's in. Everybody's going to get health insurance. Everybody's going to get a job. And everything's going to be wonderful. And we're all going to be doing good. And we're going to be back to the America we used to be. Those days are gone. Jesus said the world will wax worse and worse and worse. There's just more. There's going to be more blind virgins uh, without the oil. There's going to be more unwise. There's going to be more. And folks, the only hope those people have is to start telling them now is you better be ready to go. You better get some oil in your lamp because you're going to need it. The only thing that mattered, the only thing that mattered to Roger Ledford this morning was one night out there in, a, I think it's 41 uh, something other, we lived at 4124, they live right beside us, 4120 Henry River Road, one night in the middle of the night, Roger had... Kathy had left. She couldn't stand it no more. He busted up all the furniture and piled it up in the middle of the floor and tried to set it on fire. Going to burn the house down with him in it. And he thought that was his answer. If you think I'm being hard tonight, if he was here tonight, you would never hear such preaching. He wasn't a great preacher. We're not great preachers. But God is. And he said, I couldn't even kill myself. And God showed up. And he couldn't wait to tell me. Yes. He couldn't wait to tell me the next. He said, "I, I, I got to tell you something." He said, I, and he told me the whole story. And I thought, "You idiot! You idiot! You idiot! You know, I've told you a thousand times, you hard-headed nut." But when he got real serious, he said, "Ronnie, I even busted up the furniture, piled it up in the pile there in the middle of the dining room." He said, "Trying to set it on fire, going to burn myself up with the house, lost everything, I didn't have nothing." And Jesus come by. He said, "I haven't forgot you." And I haven't left you. I've not turned my back on you. And I'm not done with you. And God saved him. And changed his life. For the first time in his life, he knew what it was to have oil in his lamp. For the first time in his life, he knew what it was to be set free from that bondage of sin. You remember that when you got saved? I remember exactly where I was at. I got saved in the parking lot of East Burke High School. I went in and went to the crusade they had. I prayed the prayer they said to pray. I went up. I done what everything they said to do. I read this little thing they gave me to read, and I said, "Okay." I said, "That's it." I even stood up there, and there's about seventeen of us that night, and they people come by and shook our hand. I thought, "Well, this ain't. What's the big deal?" So I left that night after everybody was done and walked out of the door there into the senior parking lot in that day, and I was brought down a. That, about that third parking place in that second row, and I just looked up into the street lights, and Lord, I said, Lord, I prayed what they said to pray, and I read what they said to read, but I don't feel no different. But Lord, I'm going to believe you anyway. And right then, God filled my lamp. Right then, God saved my soul. And I ain't never got over it. I've never forgot it. And if you can't go back to a place where your life was changed, where your lamp was filled, then you better get to an altar. And you better get some, you better get what you need from the Lord. And you better get salvation. You better get saved, get born again. And see, folks, here they said, Lord, Lord, now 
they know that something they had not paid much attention to before. Now they know we didn't prepare. Now they know how, how essential it was. Folks, I, I can't help but think sometimes every time we turn on the news and the Lord of God, there's so many people getting shot. There's so many people getting robbed. There's so many just people driving down the road and shooting through. And have you ever heard the like of, of them killing little innocent kids? Just taking these big guns and just shooting them. Uh, and you think, and I think, Lord, I just wonder if they were saved. I just wonder if they were saved. I just wonder if they know the Lord. I just wonder. See, the Bible says, Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. But many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And, and in thy name have we cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Does the Lord know you tonight? Didn't ask you if you knew him. Does he know you? Has he ever written your name in the Lamb's Book of Life? Do you know for an absolute fact tonight that if you die tonight, you're going to go to heaven? God says we must watch and expect watching, looking, thinking about, praying about, staying right with God. Being honest with God. Being faithful to God. Be obedient to God. And just walk with Him. See, the reason, the reason here, uh, the point is that, that we watch and expect the Lord's turn at any moment. The extortion here is so strong. He said, watch therefore. That means whatever you're doing, just watch. And then the reason for watching is you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. Unbroken preparation is absolutely essential for He can come at any moment. Any time, folks. Any time. Any moment. Any time. Well, it's a midweek service. You're not supposed to be talking about stuff like that in a midweek service. Well, when are you supposed to talk about it? When are you supposed to talk about it? should say that for a Sunday morning. Then Sunday morning is not the right time to talk about it. You should preach something loving, kind. Well, we know the preacher preaches the Bible. We get the truth. But folks, there are so many people, so many people, so many churches, the pastors will walk in on us. They don't even have Wednesday night service. It's not important. We get all the God we need on Sunday morning. That's their witness, not mine. That's not, I'm just repeating what they said. We don't need all that Sunday night business. We, we don't need that. that we, we, bless God, we work all week. We don't need all that. Well, I'm going to tell you something, folks. There's coming a time. I'm not, I mean, I'm no judge. But I want to get all the oil I can. I like, I like to feel it, don't you? Like Joe just did. I like to feel it. It ain't about a feeling, but I'm glad we can feel it. Ain't that right, Joe? I'm glad I can, when that oil's a-flowing, I'm glad tonight, bless God, we can feel it. We don't, we're not going to heaven on our feelings, but I'm glad we can feel it. And I'm glad He's there in the, in the midst of everything. And I told Brittany... Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I told Kathy today, I said, I told Brittany a couple weeks ago, Roger's got a plan. Roger's tired. And Roger wants to go home. I didn't know if he was, I didn't know when he was going, George. I didn't know it was going to be last night. I didn't know that Kathy would wake up this morning. And this message the preacher told me a few weeks back, and I started working on it. And 
I don't really care what you think. But I know one thing. You better be ready. I don't care what you think about me. But you better, you better do some thinking about the Lord if you don't know Him. And quit this lethargic, sleeping, slumbering. Well, you know, I know the preacher said that a thousand times. Why do you think God saw it so important for the preacher to say it a thousand times? Because you ain't got it. Some, some folks just ain't going to get it. I talked to my sister today and I thought, oh God, I wish I could just pick you up and shake you. I wish you could shake it into people, you know, but you can't. My grandmother tried to shake it into me and then when I got it, she said, well, how long is that going to last? I said, God, I can't win. But folks, I want you to know tonight, just like last night, and the preacher said, now brother, I want you to know, you don't have to, I said, no, I almost have to. Because I live this today. Kathy lived it today. Roger's family lived it. Your family recently, Benny and this church, have lived it. And to realize to know it's over and done. Today, if, if they could have asked Roger, you know, Roger, the finality, the thing about death is it's final. You don't get to go back and have another conversation. If you lose your keys, you can't go say, where'd I put my keys? They're, they're not there to ask. Today, they were, Kathy was looking for some things in the house, and she said, I don't know where they're at. And, and they searched the house over, turned the house upside down. They never did find them. So if I could just talk to him one more time. But folks, we don't have that. We're not, we're not given that. My hope and prayer tonight is you do know Jesus. My hope and prayer tonight is that we all understand, and myself, I need to keep on in my mind. Man, midnight's coming. Jesus is coming. And we better be ready. Preacher. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet and hit that. Never eye closed.